The Corey Fields Jr. we saw in the spring game is the Corey Fields Jr. we need to see in the fall if South Carolina State wants to win it all. Oh, yeah, it's Locked on HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked on HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked on HBCU podcast. Your number one. Number one. We got to bring it down. I've been watching wrestling with my little sister. I've been with the Usos. We the ones. Yes, we are the one. Number one. One-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics, Monday through Friday. Thank you for going on this journey with me. Make it locked on HBCU, your first listen of the day, every day. And remember, just because the mic cuts off does not mean that the journey is over. It just means it's time to follow me on Twitter, at South Exclusives. You see it right here at the bottom of the screen. But if you don't, that means you're on the audio side of things. And that just means you just need to not forget the S on the end of South Exclusives. It's just that simple. And we're going to wrap up today's episode talking about Howard men's basketball because they made an addition. Yeah, they don't just lose players to the portal. They actually gained a player who I think could help their post offense. Jada Byers staying at Virginia Union is a big deal, but it's significantly understated. I'm going to break down both of those, the understated part and then also the big deal. But before any of that, Corey Fields in his performance in South Carolina State spring game has to be a sign of the future. And listen, I understand Spring games don't always directly correlate to what you're going to see in the fall, but I'm telling you that it has to, it must, it needs to, it's mandatory, necessary, almost obligatory that he performs in the same way that he performed in the spring game in the fall if South Carolina State wants to win. You can use whatever synonym you need, but it must happen if the Bulldogs want some sort of success. Now, let me read off his stat, his stat line from this spring game. He went 11 and 16, 11 of 16, excuse me, for 136 yards and two touchdowns. This is his only year left at South Carolina State. You need a year like that. Now, of course, I would like the yards to be a little bit bigger, but at the same time, I'm looking at the efficiency. I'm looking at the amount of touchdowns. One's in the red zone. One's a bigger shot. I'm looking at those aspects. And if you pair that efficiency with a really good running game, maybe I don't need more yards. Maybe I don't need Corey Fields to be the engine for this offense. But I'm going to tell you what, I need him to not be the reason the engine is messing up. And when I look at the two touchdowns, that's, that's big already because I want to score points. That's the name of the game. The name of the game is to score more than the opposition. And sometimes your defense isn't going to be able to limit the opposition. So you're going to need to be able to put up points of your own. And if Corey Fields can average two touchdowns a game, that's going to bring him to about 22, right? You play in 11 games, so 22 games, or excuse me, 22 touchdowns a season. That'll be a career high. Let's look at 11 for 16. If he, if he does that, by far, he'll be blowing away his career high completion percentage. And that's the best thing about it. Because my biggest problem with Fields last year is I just did not feel like he was an accurate quarterback. You know, he averages around 50%. The only time that he was above 50% in his career was 505 
This is closer to, the, I'm not going to try to do the math because I did not do it before I started talking. And last thing I need to do is give out a, a poor number. But I'll tell you what, 8 out of 16 is 50%. 11 of 16, that's a much better percentage. So let's just say he's blowing away the 50% market. So, oh, there we go. It's a little bit less than 75%. See, I'm good with math. All right, I'm not about to do the division right now, but I got my metrics. 12 of 16, 75%. 11 of 16, just a little bit less. But this is not a math class. It's not a math class. Oh, that was convenient there. Anyway, I'm about to wrap something y'all didn't know. And I was going, oh, y'all going, who knows this one? Let's carry on talking about Corey Fields. The reason I feel like his efficiency is so important is because that's all I'm really asking for from him. But it's necessary. I gave you all the synonyms. If Corey Fields does not perform to a high standard in the fall, South Carolina State is not going to win a MEAC championship. Point blank, period. There's no way around that. See, I know why you're here. I know why you're here. You want to see either why Cody or Corey Fields needs to succeed. Why is it so essential that he plays at a high level? Or you simply agree that he needs to play at a high level. I'm sure that Buddy Pugh agrees. And let me tell you why it is essential. Maybe you're a part of that first group. And if you are, I'm, I'm happy because this part is for you. For anybody who wants to know exactly why Fields needs to perform at a high level, kind of like he did in the spring game. If you look, even though he gave himself a B, B plus, the reason is look at the quarterbacks he has to go against. Davius Richard, you're talking about the guy that I believe is going to be the first HBCU quarterback drafted in what feels like forever. That's a baller. A guy who should be the front runner for Black College Football Player of the Year, that's in your conference. The defending MVP, I think, yeah, you think he was the MVP. The defending MVP at a Celebration Bowl? That's the guy that you have to go through. And right below him, you're looking at Quentin Williams out of Howard. So let me just, let me just give you a little bit of the rankings when you're talking about the standings in the MEAC. So in first place, you had North Carolina Central. In second place, you had Howard. In third place, you had Delaware State. Let me just read off the first, second, and third team quarterbacks in the MEAC. First team, all MEAC quarterback, Davius Richard. Second team, excuse me, that's out of North Carolina Central, of course. Second team, all MEAC quarterback, Quentin Williams, out of Howard. Third, C.J. Hen Henry, out of Delaware State. So let me just read this off real quick and strip the names away of the players. The rankings, as far as win-loss, North Carolina Central, Howard, Delaware State. The rankings as far as all MEAC quarterbacks in order. North Carolina Central, Howard, Delaware State. Call it a coincidence, but that's a, that's a strong coincidence. And I'm not going to write it off as one. I'm going to say that you need quarterback play to win in the MEAC. If you want to win this conference, you cannot have your quarterback be a hampering position. It might not need to be your engine. You might want to go with the running game. I understand that. Flowers is a good back. I like Flowers. But if you're going to win it all, more than likely, you're going to need some play from your quarterback. Corey Fields Jr. is going to need to make a play at some point, whether he's going against Richard, whether he's going against Williams, whether he's going against Henry. You cannot allow him to be a struggling quarterback. You need him. I'll put it like this. Let me see how do I want to phrase this exactly, because I want to make sure this is as concise as possible. We're going to wrap up the whole topic in one thing. The Corey Fields Jr. that we are seeing in this spring game on Saturday is the Corey Fields Jr. that we need to see in the fall 
if we want to see Corey Fields Jr. in December. The spring game must translate to the fall if you want it to translate into a MEAC championship, a Celebration Bowl appearance, and a second Celebration Bowl victory in three years. If that game does not translate, if he is hampered, hampering this offense, you're going to see North Carolina Central repeat. You're going to see Howard make a comeback and be the representative. You might even see Delaware State creep in there. I think Morgan State is a dog race, or excuse me, a dark horse in this race. The MEAC's strong. Corey Fields Jr. must perform if they want to win this conference. Simple and plain. Now, going forward, we're going to be talking about a defending conference champion in Virginia Union and their best player, Jada Byers, because him returning is a big deal. But not a lot of people are talking about it. And I understand why. But I need you to understand why it is such a big deal as well as we continue with Locked on HBCU. Until we get in or before we get into that, I should say. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel, and FanDuel is the official sports book of the Locked On Podcast Network. Go to FanDuel.com slash Locked On today if you want to make every moment more, because on FanDuel.com, I'm looking at every single odd. I'm looking at the NBA playoffs, the NHL playoffs. I'm looking at the MLB season kicking off, and you have a lot of games left in every single one of those things that I said. The playoffs is just in the first round, just in two games deep. Every team that you know in the playoffs has at least two games left. The NHL playoffs, they just now kicking off. The Stars just kicked off last night or tipped off, dropped the puck, whatever. I'm not the biggest hockey fan yet, but I'm getting there. I'm getting there. And you look at the MLB season, they're going to be playing for, for 10 more decades. The, the season just started. You know how many games they have. So, so many opportunities to go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to make every moment more. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to make every moment more. And as we continue rolling on today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day every single day. On tomorrow's episode, we are going to be detailing some of the more interesting parts of this section of the transfer portal. There's like three different spots within the transfer portal activity in this April spring season is one of the most exciting in my opinion. Now, one person who is not in that transfer portal, one person who is not leaving his school, it's Jada Byers. Jada Byers is staying right where he is at at Virginia Union. And guess what? This is such an understated big deal. Now, I'm starting to view football. I don't know if I like this about myself, but I'm noticing it. I'm starting to view and feel about football as so much more of a business. Maybe it's because I'm growing up. I'm not a kid. I'm not. I'm so far removed from playing it that it doesn't feel so much as the game to me. But I kind of view it from a business format. And why would I do that? Because of all these players going through the transfer portal. It feels like the portal is the reason I'm viewing it from such a business mind. I'm not talking about the partnerships and the deals, not all of those things. I try to stay up to date on them, but I've never been super deep into understanding the viewership deals or the partnership deals with, you know, streaming platforms and all. That's not really my expertise. When I say business, I'm talking about the transfer portal. And when I'm talking about the transfer portal right now, I'm talking about the fact that Jada Byers did not hop in the transfer portal. Jada Byers stayed exactly where he was. And if he did get into the portal, if he did go to an FCS level or an FBS level, nobody should bat a single eye. Nobody should judge him. Everybody should congratulate him for what he just did because him staying 
he's a sophomore going into his junior season, so it might feel like nothing to people. But because of the quality of player he is, this is almost like when you have a star-studded junior who decided to forego the NFL draft to return for his senior year. You're in that position like, oh, I thought you were going to be gone, but I get you for another year? That's the level of excitement that you should have about Jada Byers returning. See, to put it simple and plain, Jada Byers is a phenomenal running back who, in my opinion, kind of deserved the player of the year on the D2 ranks last year, but I understand he plays a running back position instead of a quarterback position. He had over 1,900 yards rushing and over 2,000 yards total. Imagine all of that leaving your offense. It's a big deal, but that's too simple. That's too plain for me. When I opened up this, this topic, I talked about how I'm viewing football from a more business standpoint. Once we get into the season, it'll be like a game again. It'll be like fun to me. And all of those things will be back. Those emotions will be back. But right now I'm in business mode. NFL draft, spring game, practices. That's all business stuff. That's not the fun for me. It's more so business-like. There's so many ways that you could view the game, individual versus team. You could view it from play calling, play on the field. You could be viewing it from a storyline perspective. You can view it from so many things. But one of my more interesting viewpoints is do you view it from a macro or micro level? I prefer to just call it, what is your Zoom, not call it, but I prefer to reference it like, what is your Zoom set to? So are you extremely close, extremely far back? Are you on a street level, neighborhood, city, state, nation? How big are you looking? And let's keep the terminology in this conversation to football. So I think there's multiple ways you can judge college athletics. And this kind of goes for every single school, PWI, HBCU, D3, NAIA, all the way up to the Power Five conferences. You're looking at school, conference, right? These are the different levels you can view them. School, conference, grouping slash subdivision, kind of, you know, because you have HBCU, FCS, then you have the rest of FCS. And sometimes those get separated. You have group of five, FBS. You have Power 5, FBS. So we're just going to say grouping slash subdivision. And then lastly, college athletics as a whole. That's the biggest view of everything. That's just looking at every single subdivision, every single school, just a super big picture. Let's break down why Jada Byer staying is actually a big deal for every single one of those, um, those viewpoints, I should say. For Virginia Union, it's simple. I just detailed it. He's a phenomenal running back. You're missing 2,000 yards if he leaves. That's the offense. That's the engine. That's everything that keeps you going. So, yeah, that's a pretty big deal, and I don't feel the need to elaborate on it because it's simple to me. But when you look at the conference, that's not a W for the conference. Jada Byers is not – Jada Byers staying or leaving is not a W or an L for the conference. It's just a thing. It's just, oh, Jada Byers is still in the CIAA. But I don't think it's a win. Now, the other two, grouping slash subdivision, you could say this for HBCUs, but we said it before. I don't want to regurgitate the same thing. And I also want to hammer home that a lot of the things that are happening to HBCUs, maybe not as far as finances, but the view of HBCUs happens to so many schools within that subdivision. So what happens to a Texas state could not a Texas state, a Texas. I'm just going to use Texas Southern because that's not what I wanted to say. But a Texas Southern might happen to an incarnate word. The idea of being overlooked, that happens a lot of times. So I'm talking about the D2 level because I want to hammer home how much this is important to them as well. D2 football is better with Jada Byers. Simple and plain. The game is better with Jada Byers because I look at Bashul Tootin. 
He left North Carolina A&T. I was bummed about that. But I understood business, right? I understood it. Because you have, what, 1,000-yard games in a row? You're a monster. Your stock is going through the roof. And whether we want to admit it or not, this is the God's honest truth. Most athletes are going to view the highest platform as the best opportunity to get into the draft. And I can't knock them. I cannot knock them for that. I might want them to stay at HBCUs. I might want them to get drafted from HBCU. I want them to prove that, well, these guys will come look for you. Right. The idea that if you're good, they'll find you. That's true. It's true. But so often they find you before it's draft time. Everybody says if they're good, they'll come find you. You can go to an HBCU. And I understand that. But here's the thing. When you're good at an HBCU, they come find you before the draft and they say, let's go to this program. And when you go to this program, your visibility is going to be through the roof. And am I going to knock any freaking 19 year old to 20 year old athlete who is saying, you know what? I do want to go to a university of Cincinnati because I feel like it's going to give me a higher platform. I don't have to worry about people having to sift through the weeds to find me. I don't have to worry about our coaches even going to care enough to come look at my tape at this school. I'm not knocking anybody for that. So if Jada Byers would have made that decision and said, I'm on the D2 level. I was a player of the year candidate, a 2000 yard player. I'm going to go to the FCS level, even if it had been like Alabama State or something. If he would have went to Delaware State, if he would have went to an HBCU, nobody would have batted an eye. But what if he goes to a PWI? What if he goes to an incarnate word? Am I knocking him for that? Not at all. But he chose not to. And that's a big deal. The fact that he chose to stay on the D2 level, even though he probably could have got those calls. If you're good, they'll come find you. Who's to say that they didn't already find him and he decided to stay loyal to the school that, that recruited him? That's a big deal. And because D2 football is better, college athletics is better for it. To me, I like when you have players who come from the, from the not really NAIA, but the D2 level, the JUCO level. I like the FCS. I like those type of stories. And as long as Byers stays on the D2 level, and if he can make it, which I think he can, because I think he's a really good running back. If he can make it to the NFL from Virginia Union, that's a talking point. That's something to be discussed and they're good for it. And going forward, we're going to talk about a move that's good for one team, the Howard Bison, specifically their men's basketball program, because they got a transfer from Notre Dame who could help to slightly offset one of their major departures during the offseason. Let's break down this guy and his fit as we continue with Locked on HBCU. As wrapping up today's episode of Locked on HBCU, thank you for making us your first listen of the day every day, making it all the way to segment three. I thank you two times for that. And listen, Howard, they've improved their post offense by bringing in Dominic Campbell. And I'm happy to talk about something about Howard that's not a departure. I've talked about Howard a little more, Howard men's basketball, a little bit more than I probably wanted to this offseason, or at least for the wrong reasons. I love talking about them the first time. I even like talking about them the second time when I can reinforce my confidence. But two of your three players, biggest players, transferring in one offseason, don't want to talk about those things for Howard. But they were big. They were big. I just wish it didn't happen. Now you're bringing in somebody like Dominic Campbell from the transfer portal out of Notre Dame, who I think could offset that loss of Steve Settle slightly. Listen, we know, or at least I believe, that the burden is going to be on Bryce Harris and Shai Odoms. 
That's who I believe the burden of replacing Steve Settle is going to be on. They're not going to be perimeter players. They're not. But they are going to be more interior forces. They're going to be guys who can make up for that rebounding edge. You might make up for that block, uh, that, that those shot blocking numbers. And overall with Shy Odoms, he's going to be your second star. I'll take that eight, eight, eight days out of the week, seven days out of the week. But what about depth? You can't just stop at the star point. You can't just say, okay, we got a star that's going to replace Steve Settle because who's going to replace Shy Odoms? Maybe it's Dominic Campbell. We've seen transfers come in who didn't get a lot of time at their last spot. And that's the exact spot that Campbell was in. 10 games played, 3.6 minutes. That's nothing. That's nothing. 3.6 minutes. You're talking about the intro to this show. Before we get into the first segment, it's about two minutes. So imagine from the moment you cut us on. Matter of fact, I implore you, start me over right now and listen to three and a half minutes and then stop it. You might miss it if you're not watching the clock. That's how little time that Dominic Campbell got at Notre Dame in his freshman year in only 10 games. He's really raw. He's almost like a high school prospect. And coming out of high school, he was actually the number one overall recruit in New Hampshire. Right, He was a three-star player. And when you look at what his former coach said about him, Coach Bray, he says Dom is a gifted low-post guy with, a great, or excuse me, with great hands and footwork. He has the ability to carve out space and step out as well. He can make really good decisions with the ball in his hands. So I don't know how you're going to replace Elijah Hawkins, but maybe this is a guy who you have a post player who can actually facilitate within the post. He's not going to run point the way that Hawkins did but you're going to need some sort of facilitation it's going to be hard to replace the best facilitator in the conference but this is some way you could do it in a different format not bringing the ball up but maybe you throw it down to him in the post and he has good vision so he can catch people out on the wings he can catch a cutter he can do all of those things because he's good with the ball in his hands but then he can also create his own shot because that's what I'm seeing a guy who can replace a little bit of Steve Settle as far as scoring inside, a guy who can replace a little bit of Elijah Hawkins with his ability to facilitate if you ask him to. He doesn't play a, a, a role where you traditionally would ask him to facilitate, but he can do it. Give me that. Everybody doesn't need to be a star. Everybody won't be a star. Sometimes you got to know to play your role, but I'm not even going to limit him to that. Because I only seen him for 10 minutes. Did you go back? This is my second time telling you. I'm serious. Go back and just watch for three and a half minutes. And I really suggest that you watch for three and a half minutes without looking at the clock. And stop it when you think three and a half minutes came up. That's about all that he got 10 times throughout his freshman year. He's raw. But I would love to see if the attributes that Coach Bray discussed about Dominic Campbell actually translate to the floor on Howard. Because they could use a guy who's good on the interior and is good with the ball in his hands. That's all I'm going to say. So I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day every day. On tomorrow's episode, we're going to be talking about what's up with sitting out players in the spring game. I kind of like it. I'm not mad at it at all. all. And I'll tell you why on tomorrow's episode. But in the meantime, in between time, if you're looking for me, you can find me on Twitter at South Exclusives. Until the next time that we hear each other, family. Take care. Stay blessed. Peace.